we've been in a series for a couple weeks now called Direction. What is the direction of the dwelling? And simply put, we've been talking about how the, 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 the direction that we're headed in this next year, and many of you have heard this for the past six years, but some of you, it's your first time, and we get that. So we wanted to kind of emphasize that again at the beginning of the year this year. Our, our mission as a church is disconnected to disciple. And what we talk about is we talk about reaching tens of thousands of people in our region with the good news of the gospel, sharing Jesus with them and connecting them, disconnected people, to Jesus and his church. Well, to reach tens of thousands of people, it's going to take, uh, it's going to take church planting. It's going to take multiplication. It's really going to take us discipling people who disciple people who disciple people who disciple people. But our our direction, that's the whole point of today's kind of series, our direction is disconnected to disciple. This is what we've been talking about. And so I'm just going to put this right here. If this is the direction of where we're going, last week we talked about how gathering is going to be the one, one of the ways in which we're going to get there. So if that's the direction of where we're trying to get, disconnected to disciple, the question is, how are we going to get there? How are we going to help make disciples? Well, one of the key components we talked about is how important gathering is. And you can go look at last week's message, gathering around God's word and prayer daily in our own homes, weekly in God's house, and bi-weekly or twice a month in a friend's house, which is really a lot of our small group stuff. So I got a tire up here, which is going to represent this idea of how we're going to get from here to there. And so one of those ways is through gathering. Okay? And if we can get gathering to head in this direction, that's going to be a good thing. Well, there's another side to the coin. There's another side to the tire. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And the other side is going. Going. And here at the dwelling, we talk about going where you live, work, worship, and play, which is essentially all aspects of your life. Maybe you're a student, you know, your work is your studies. So go where you live, work, study, and play. I mean, it's all, all, all of it. Live, work, worship, and play is simply to really get you thinking about all the different aspects of your life we are called to go into. And today's message, if you want to leave right now because you got somewhere to be, hear this. Today's message is simply the importance of going and gathering and getting it going in that direction. That's it. And today especially we're going to be talking about going. So let me get going up here. Boom. Going. And how we're going to get to making disciples of tens of thousands of people. Matthew 28, I'm going to read this text and then we're going to pray and then I'm going to start trying to unpack this for us a little bit. Matthew 28 has been the verse that I've been going to for a, a, quite a few years now on this side of the tire, this side of the coin. This is what Jesus says right before he ascends to heaven. So Jesus has died on the cross, he's risen from the dead. He's only got like 40 days left before he ascends to the Father. Somewhere in there, right at the end,
He says, go therefore. That's it. That's the word I'm after. Go. So, you know, you've heard this great commission a million times, but have you ever heard the word go? That's what I want you to hear for a second. Go. Go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go. Make disciples. Now, today's message is primarily this. Why are we going? And what is going going to look like? Okay. Why are we going? Why are we called to go? Why do we go? And what does going look like? That's today's message. So let me pray and then let me try to unpack this for us, okay? Lord, thank you for this opportunity to share uh, <laughs> your last kind of will and testament with your people. I mean, this is kind of one of the things you wanted really emphasized before you ascended to the Father. And so we've got to take note of this, uh, along with all of your words, of course, Lord. But as we kind of think about this idea of going today, I just pray that you'd open up our hearts, open up our minds to just hearing from you what you have for us. God, I pray that your spirit would come and fall afresh upon us today. All afresh upon this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Why do we go? Three things underneath why we go that I want to talk a little bit about before we talk about what does going look like. Three things. The first, why do we go? The first one I have for us today is simply because going is something Jesus wants us to do. And that really should be enough. Um, maybe if you're kind of a skeptic or you're kind of on the fence if you want to be a Christian or not, this might not maybe convince you yet. But if you're a follower of Jesus and you've committed your life to him, then at the end of the day, Jesus saying to do it should be enough. I mean, God doesn't want us to just get caught up in this life and the stuff that the world is telling us is important. We've got to be paying attention to our master, our king, our Lord, and we've got to be sensitive to what he says is important. So what is that? See, our world tells us things like, you know, you got to own this particular car. That's what's most important. You got to have this much money. That's what's important. You got to own this house or you've got to rent this place. That's what's important. And see, our world around every corner is telling us what's important. But for us, here's the deal. We are called to be, and think about this, we are called to be servants. We are called to serve. Now, I know that that's not a very Texas thing. We don't serve nobody down here. We don't serve nobody. We kick those old people out of here. We're, you know, we're, we do our own thing. Well, okay, I know what you're saying. I, I can catch up with that a little bit. But as followers of Jesus, we are called to be servants. And so we, we obey the voice of the master. We obey our king and what he tells us. 
And so when Jesus says to go, there's not room in there for you to be able to, to kind of say, um, well, if I want to, or oh, well, if the circumstances are okay, or well, no, like Jesus says to go, we, we're servants of his. He's bought us with his own blood. We've been purchased, right? First, First Corinthians, Paul says that. We've been purchased with a price of his own blood. We're not our own. We are temples of the living God. So we've got to pay attention to that. So when Jesus says to go, we're called to go. Now we don't, we don't go because in our going, this is going to somehow save us or something like that. See, it's important to understand that Jesus has first goaded. Gooded? Goaded? Ghosted? Went? Oh, there it is. There it is. Thanks, Trish. Jesus has first goaded, went to us, right? He went to the, he gone. Thank you. Somebody said maybe gone. I don't know. He gone did, God did it to us. He first did that for us, right? He went to the cross. He, he, well, first he came into this world and put on flesh and blood to die and, and to suffer, to, to live a perfect life so that you and I, see, Christianity is not about living, like, well, in one sense, you'd, you'd have to live and obey every teaching of Jesus for there to be kind of this entrance into heaven. But you and I, we've already broken all that. We've already messed all that up. You already have not obeyed every command of Jesus. You're already in this spot where you're in need of salvation. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus came to live a perfect life and then connect himself to you so that you're able to claim a righteousness that isn't of yourself, it's a righteousness that's Jesus's. And he gives that to you. So he gives you his righteousness. He gives you his perfection so that you can be made right with God. And this is what salvation is. This is the gospel. Jesus granting you forgiveness and newness of life granting you his own righteousness so that we can be, we are in, in one sense in our new creation fully obedient to, the, to God because it's obedience through Christ. So the reason I'm saying this is because we don't go to get that. We go because we already have that. We go because God has has so showed his love to us, and we understand that. So now, now we go, because the master says, go. He wants us to go. The king says, go. So that's the first thing. I was reading this past week, and I'm just going to kind of reference it. You can go read about, I, if you'd have told me, honestly, before, I've been reading through Jeremiah on my own, and if you'd have told me this story existed, if you'd have told me the story, I don't even think I'd have believed you. So that's how much this, I was not familiar with this story. But there's a family in, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 35 that God uses as an example of obedience. And they're called the Rechabites. And you can go check these guys out in Jeremiah chapter 35. But God actually uses this family and their obedience 
as an example, as an example of what kind of obedience God is calling the people of Israel into. And I just found that kind of interesting. You know, I grew up in a tradition kind of where obedience was sometimes seen as a bad word. And that's just not true. We are called to be obedient to Jesus. Not to get salvation. I get that you can get that out of order. Not to get salvation, but because we've been saved, we now are obedient to Jesus, right? He loves us. And so we start, yes, Lord, I want to do what you have for me to do. So we go, first of all, because going is what Jesus wants us to do. The second point that I have is that going is how others actually hear the good news. Going is how others hear the good news. Now, good news hearing is not the only thing that we go with, speaking it on our lips. We also go with other things. Try to follow me here. We go with love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. We go with these things too. These are fruits of the Spirit. So as I go, I don't only go and then tell every single person I meet about Jesus. No. I go with love. I go with joy. I go with peace. And so as I interact with people, there can be an element of going where I just am smiling at the person at Walmart and there's kindness in that. So going can be Bringing all of these things, love, joy, peace, patience, good. I can go to my kids bringing joy or love or peace. I can go into all sorts of different places where I'm in relationship with other people. And my going carries with it the things of the Spirit that are in me. So that's not to say every time I go, I'm speaking. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm just doing or sometimes I'm living. But I do want us to think about that our going is what brings news. Uh, Romans chapter 10, I just want to take you there for a second, says this, verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And How are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching to them? And then it actually goes on. I don't have this on the screen. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Unless they're goaded. Goad. Sentited. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So the danger in you hearing that verse is that you're going to take that word preach and you're going to connect it to me. That's the danger. See, the danger is you thinking, okay, good. that's a good point, Seth. Nice that you're telling me that because now I'm off the hook because it said the word preach. So I don't have to do that because isn't that what you're doing right now is you're doing the preaching thing. The you're thinking about this wrong. Preaching here is, is the sharing of the good news. It can mean preaching like kind of what's taking place right now. Yeah, it sure, it can be that. But my, my proof text in this, I'm going to show it to you in just a second. My proof text for all those who would kind of come after me, even actually in some of my study of this text this past week, some of the commentaries try to drive this to be pastors and like pastors only. And I just disagree with that. 
And my primary text for this is Acts chapter 8. This bad boy is like my, my main one I go to when I want to drop the hammer on somebody who try to connect this, this idea of sharing to just like somebody who's getting paid or a preacher guy. You go look at Acts chapter 8, and I'm, I'm telling you, you're not going to like hearing this if you were excited about the last part and maybe it wasn't on you. But Acts chapter 8, I want to show you this, verse 4, okay? This is the early church. It says, that what happened is in Jerusalem, there was a persecution that broke out of Christians. And, and so that's what's taking place. Persecution is happening, and so Christians begin to get scattered throughout uh, the area. And it's a great picture of how God uses persecution to actually sometimes spread the word, which is kind of cool. But that's beside the point. Verse 4, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Well, who were these guys? Who were these gals? Who was this? Well, Go take a look at verse 1. Go take a look at verse 1. And Saul approved of his execution. This was the killing of Stephen. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. You ever catch that? What's the next word? Except the apostles. Who is it that's out proclaiming the good news of Jesus out in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth? It's the lay people who get pushed out. I don't even fully get why, but it specifically lays out here that the apostles, like your Mac Daddy Caddy guys, right? Peter, James, John, these guys, they actually stay in Jerusalem. Who goes out and gets scattered as just regular people? Who go out and start telling their neighbors about Jesus? And the word there is actually the word preaching. They preach. They proclaim the good news of Jesus. How are they going to hear if nobody's sent to them? How are they going to hear if nobody proclaims it and tells them the story? Whose job is it? Well, it's our job. It's our job. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's you and me. You and I are all called to share the good news of Jesus with the people around us. It's not only the pastor guy on Sunday morning. It's you on Tuesday at 9 o'clock when you're at the gym and you're connecting with somebody and the Spirit of God moves you to maybe share with somebody with Jesus, to share with somebody, hey, just so you know, God loves you like crazy. Now, that's not every situation because we bring all sorts of stuff as we go. We bring love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. So sometimes my interaction with those around me at the gym or at, at, at my neighbors or my coworkers or whoever it might be, sometimes it's interaction that's, that's bringing those things to the situation. But let's not miss the point that our going is a way in which people hear. And so it at some point has to be on our lips. Around every situation? No. 
Sometimes. When would I know? I don't know when you'll know. It's, this is when we begin to trust the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. It's when we start to pay attention. and We start to attempt to pray, Lord, how can you help me in this situation to know? And we ask God to help us. But this is, you are the way that God has chosen to get his message of salvation and good news to the people of this world. Don't miss that. My last point for this. Oh, no, but let me quick, before I get to that, I just want to, ooh, one little point I missed. Man, the armor of God. The armor of God. You know, um, chapter 6 in Ephesians, what does it say about our feet? Our feet are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You know, a lot of times we talk about the sword of the spirit or the breastplate of righteousness or the helmet of salvation. Don't miss. I actually oftentimes miss the, the feet that get readied through the gospel of peace. And what I wanted to especially say here is this thought, that when you go, um, ultimately there's a lot that we can be trained in and strengthened in, I get that. But ultimately as we go, what we really need is a readiness that comes from the gospel. And so if you know the gospel, if you know that Jesus loves you and died for you and saved you from your sin, then there's a certain sense in which you're already ready. You don't actually need like another Bible study and another you know, training and another seminar and another this. Those are good things. We keep gathering. We keep, we keep gathering too because Jesus calls us to this. It's last week's message. But you don't maybe, <laughs> what do we need? Well, we need the gospel. That's what we're going to need to go. Do you have the gospel? Do you know that Jesus died for you? That he came and saved you from your sin Death and the power of the enemy? Do you know that, that he did that for you and he gives you his righteousness? Do you know that? If you know that, then your feet get readied with the gospel of peace. And so then we can start doing the slide, you know, the shuffling in that direction. My last point under why do we go is going will actually change you. Did you know that going will actually begin to change and shape you? One of uh, one of the past one of the my favorite. It's starting to become one of my favorite Bible passages right now. Is from Acts chapter ten. I've not sat and thought about this particular section of scripture much, but this past week I did a considerable amount. So much so I almost made it the whole message. So I'm, it's dangerous right now because I almost could go another 40 on just this here. You know what I'm saying? That's how it feels because there's a lot in my heart. But I'll, I'll try to not go another. Uh, this, this section of scripture is incredible. Acts chapter 10, let me give you this, let me kind of set it up a little bit. Um, the early church has Jesus with them. Jesus dies he rises from the dead, he ascends to heaven, and then 
um, the early church starts kind of doing some stuff in Acts chapter 1. They receive the Holy Spirit and they're told by Jesus to go and, and um, proclaim the good news, be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In Matthew chapter 28, what did it say? It said, make disciples of all the nations. Everybody's going to be part of this. But between chapter 1 in Acts and chapter 10, I tried to find the number, but I can't figure it out quite how long of time that is. Most of the places that I was looking this past week put the distance in time between Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 10 at 7 to 8 to 9 to 10 years. That jumped out at me. Because typically as I'm reading through Acts, I'm just like boom, 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 boom. You know, kind of next day, next month, next boom, boom, boom. We don't know. I don't think we know. And, or I'd have to get deeper into how they're making some of these connections happen. But I, I can't fully see it other than it appears like it's years. And then the question would be years of what? Well, here's what it is. It's years of the early church proclaiming the gospel predominantly to Jewish people. So Peter, who's Jewish, even though he's been told by Jesus to proclaim the good news of salvation to all the nations, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, in Acts chapter 1 through Acts chapter 10, we see them predominantly staying in Jerusalem, predominantly preaching to other Jews, and then we do see them getting stretched a little bit to preach in Samaria, which are kind of these half-breed Jewish people, is how they'd have been thinking about it. So they're getting stretched. Peter's getting stretched in who he's supposed to be sharing the gospel with, right? But then in chapter 10, the Holy Spirit gives Peter a vision. And I'm going to leave you go read about it yourself. But he gives Peter a vision to go. Actually, there's a word there. Go down. He's up on, a, up on the second story. Go down, and I want you to go to a centurion's house named Cornelius. Now, Cornelius is not Jewish. He's a Gentile. And this would have been radical for Peter. This would have been actually, and from the text you start to get this sense, Peter doesn't really want to do this. Because the Gentiles, Cornelius, he's going to be the kind of people that we really shouldn't hang out with. Who are those people for you? Who are the people that maybe it's a little hard for you when you get around them? They start to kind of push your bubble a little bit and you start to think, man, I don't really like hanging with these people. Because what Jesus begins to teach to Peter in Acts chapter 10 and 11 is he begins to show Peter that the gospel is for everybody. And what happens at the end of 10 is actually the Holy Spirit comes and Peter's, Peter's fellowshipping with them. He's in Cornelius' house and he even tells them, I'm not supposed to be here. 
But God is telling me to be here, so I'm here to share the gospel. He begins to share that Jesus has died on the cross. He just starts to tell them the basic story of the gospel, nothing crazy. He just tells them what Jesus did, and the Holy Spirit, boom, smacks this house. And the Holy Spirit comes and pours himself out on Cornelius and his whole family. And Peter and everybody, all the Jews that are with him are amazed. And they're amazed and taken aback that this took place. Then Peter goes back to Jerusalem and all the people of the circumcision party, all the Jewish people are like, hey, you can't do that. You can't go to the Gentiles and do table fellowship with them. And Peter tells the story and he says, here's the deal, guys. I'm kind of with you. I understand it was a struggle for me too. But the Holy Spirit came upon them just like he came upon us. So what was I supposed to do? I can't withhold baptism from these guys, so I baptized them. Man, what don't, here's the deal. That potentially is years, years after Acts chapter one. All I'm trying to get across to you today is this idea that Peter needed a change of heart and it was in his going that Jesus started to tweak on him. That's all I'm trying to get across. You following me? So you think in your mind sometimes that what you need to do is gather, gather and gather and gather and grow and then go. I've even heard churches' mission statements that say that. First gather, then grow, then go. Well, listen, gathering is absolutely a spot in which we grow. Yes. But don't miss that going is also a way that Jesus will grow us. And some of us actually have kind of maxed out our learning in our gathering. And actually the next kind of step for you in your growth and spiritual walk is going. That's for some of you. That actually taking that step to go is going to be a way in which God starts to grow you. Don't get caught up in this idea that I have to have all this information. I got to be all perfectly ready to go to go. No, no, no. Jesus comes to Peter and says, I'm going to send you. And as you start walking towards Cornelius' house, and when you walk into his house, and when you start sharing the gospel in kind of an awkward way to these people who you'd probably not rather hang out with, and when you, all this stuff, I'm going to be changing your heart. And that's exactly what Jesus does. That's incredible. That's the coolest thing. It's like right now, my favorite chapter of the Bible. I mean, it's just cool. As you pour yourself out... God will actually work to shape you and fill even you. Again, this isn't for salvation. We don't go so that we get filled up with, oh, please, God, come. No, no, no. We just, to get filled up with God, all you do is you come up like a little baby bird. And you just open your mouth and just receive from Jesus salvation. We receive from him his word, his sacrament. He just pours into us. That's free of charge. Now as he calls us to go, what he'll still do is he'll start to grow you and he'll start to tweak on you and shape you and mold you. Not for salvation, but for your growth and for the people around you. 
This is, I've seen this happen so often here at the dwelling. I've heard stories from you guys. I've felt it myself where I've, I've gone or I've heard stories of you going to people because Jesus said to go there. And you went there and you thought, I'm bringing, I'm going to be the one to really help in this situation. And then typically what happens? Jesus blesses you like crazy and you grow. Uh, my brother runs a camp out in Idaho. And... Uh, all these, he, he, it's a camp where basically high schoolers come in and then he puts them to work in this very poor community of, of the valley that he lives and uh, he has them work in the community and all this kind of stuff. But there's this one old lady that he's got, my brother's been there for 15 whatever years. There's this one little old lady in the community that he always will send a group to and he always smiles when he sends the group to her because they think in their mind they're gonna really go and bless her. But over the years, he's gotten to know this lady, and he knows that this little lady is going to bless the snot out of this group. It's kind of a sneak attack. And that's what Jesus is often doing with us as he sends us. He's sneak attacking on your life. But oftentimes, we're missing out because we're not putting the step forward because we're afraid or we're scared or we think we've been taught that maybe it's somebody else is supposed to do that or maybe we've been taught I need more Bible studies, I need more training or whatever it might be. Well, I just kind of say if we've got our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, if we've got the gospel and as we go and sometimes it's not speaking, sometimes it's just kindness, love, joy, peace, all the things of the spirit, but sometimes we are called to speak. What do we say? What would you say? Jesus loves you. I can remember a nurse telling her one time, God loves you. I remember being at a hospital. I just told her just that. And she just started breaking out in tears. Don't miss the little stuff like that, that if the spirit prompts you to zing in on that, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I've missed tons of opportunities, but I don't want to miss more opportunities. And my last point is simply this. What does going then look like? What does going look like? Matthew 28, you can translate the verb, which is a participle, you can translate that verb as as you go, in your going. It can be both. It can be a, both an imperative, with, like go. It can also be translated as as you go. As you go about your daily life, go. Where you live, work, worship, and play. Go into those places and do what, Seth? What do you want me to do? I could see somebody kind of being like that today, like, tell me what to do. And here's my simple little thought for you to take away and chew on. What I want you to simply do is this, kinda. Because there's more to it than this but I also think don't miss this. Take what God is giving you in your gathering spots, whatever that is, whatever God's giving you in your gather spots, where I gather around God's word and prayer daily in my own house, weekly in God's house, twice a month in a friend's house, our small groups, take what he's giving you and speaking to you in your gather spots and pour it out to the people around you. Live it out. Live out or speak out what God is giving to you and then that's it. Just do that. So how do I take today's message and just 
take a step in it. That's it. Maybe you need to just pray. Maybe today you're just like, okay, I heard the message. Now my next step is, I don't know still what to do. Then just pray. That's maybe the next step. God, help me with this. Maybe that's the next step. Maybe the next step is you have literally today identified God has brought to your mind a coworker that you feel like you need to show kindness to and make cookies for tomorrow morning. I don't know. Maybe that's the going that he's going to start sending you into. It might be a lot of different things. It's going to be all sorts of different stuff for all of us because we want to see a multiplication that reaches tens of thousands because we're going to impact people who impact people who impact people who impact people. So we are moving the gathering and the going, but we're heading in this direction. We're not going this way. We're not going that way. We're not going that way. We're moving it always towards making disciples. Why? Because Jesus has to go make disciples. Why? Because this is how people are going to hear the good news. This is how they hear. Why? Because God actually is going to shape you and change you in the process. And what I don't want you to miss today, this is my last thought, what I don't want you to miss is all of this. See how you're hearing it sitting in your chair and you're sitting there and you're hearing the news today that I'm telling you? What you're thinking potentially is that this is first news to you to then out. Don't miss that today's message has also been the exact way that God got you connected. This, what I just said, isn't like you're the start. No. What I just said is you've been a recipient of. And all you have to do is give yourself a little time to think through the process that God came and shared the good news with you. How did that come? Did he, was Jesus on TV when that took place? And he, 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 Jesus was on there with a little microphone and told you the good news or something? No, I probably, thanks Levi for the little smirk. I appreciate that, brother. I see, what, I see, I love it. No, it's good. It was, no, it was a good smirk. It was like, a, yeah, that would be funny if Jesus did that smirk. I like it. No, Jesus didn't do that. He worked through a coworker and they brought you the good news. Or people have been kind to you or you've seen people be patient to you. And, and ultimately, as you reflect through this process I'm laying out for us today, we've been the recipients of this ourselves. And so we're just joining in to the generationalness of this to then share it, that then it gets shared, that then it gets shared, that then it gets shared to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I'm telling you, Porter is at the ends of the earth. I keep joking about it, but it really is. Maybe West Texas. We got to get some folks out there. God has done all of this for you. What incredible, what incredible love he has for you. What an incredible thing that he would ask us to join him. And the opportunity to gather together with the fellowship of the, the saints, to come together and not miss last week's message, and then to go and take a step in the direction of making disciples. That's what Jesus has done for you. That's what he's done for you. You've been a recipient of this. We get to 
get caught up in that for other people as well. Let's just pray about that. Lord, I thank you for this time of getting to think about how you shape us and mold us in our gathering and in our going. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for everybody in this room. I thank you that you love them so much. I thank you that no matter where they're at, Lord, today, whether they've been, maybe they haven't even finished eighth grade. Uh, Maybe they've never gone to college. Maybe they've never gone and got a PhD. Maybe they've never went and sat through a Bible study. Maybe they, wherever we are, Lord, I just thank you that you really tell us today you love us and then you call us to share that with the people around us. I thank you that you call us, Lord, to this relationship with you that you offer to the whole world. Lord, I know you're shaping and changing me. And I thank you for that, Lord. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's really hard. Lord, I can only imagine how difficult this message could be for some folks who would rather not go and would rather stay. (laughs) It can sometimes feel safer. It can feel easier or better or something. I don't know. Lord, help us to not miss out on the opportunity that you call us into, though. To go and make disciples. Now, we all get to be part of that. I pray, God, for that person today who heard today's message where it got so complicated in their mind, and I pray that you'd give them a a simple next step of what this could maybe look like and help them to see mega eternal impact even in like something small like a smile or a kind deed or being patient or whatever it might be. God, for that person in the room who who desires, they have such a desire to speak the gospel to somebody but doesn't know how to do it or doesn't know like how that setup happens. I pray God for that person this week that an opportunity would happen that's not that scary or just somebody asks them like, hey, what, why, why are you so happy always or something? And just like opens this door for them to be able to just say, well, Jesus loves me and he loves you too. I I don't know, like just something really simple, even that, even as I'm saying that, Lord, that sounds, that could be scary. So I just pray for like a a softball across the plate, Lord, for us to be able to swing and kind of hit something a little bit and just kind of get, get the ball in play a little bit with some of this going. Help us with that this next week. Lord, we love you. We're amazed that you have done this same process to us. And we thank you for those who have who've been obedient to you and, and shared the good news with us. Thank you for those people who've loved us and cared for us and are walking with us. Wow, you're such a good God. You're such a good God. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.